<laughs> That's what she said? Hey. <laughs> uh, check your lipstick before you come to me. <laughs> I was going to say, are we going back to Drag Race uh, raunch here yeah, this I week? Yeah, so. I guess I guess that's a kind of a permanent fixture in my brain these days. So it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, you reference Drag Race when you were home almost as much as I reference Star Trek. So hey, yeah. we all have our stuff, you know. Hey, man, like, it's cool. I'm one of those gay people that doesn't have a personality anymore. I just quote Drag Race. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing in our community. identity is is tied to Drag Race. Yeah, pretty much. It's all good. It's all good. You speak in quotes and gifts. Yep. And gifts, yep. Animated gifts. Isn't that kind of like what we all do now? Mm, you're not wrong. Yeah. Yep. You are not wrong. And so we're going to have this lull in conversation. So that, I was going to uh, say, are we ready? Okay, we are already recording. We are so. rolling. I've been rolling for a couple of minutes because I wanted to see if we would have the lull. I'm always curious to see if like, if I don't tell you, <laughs> do we have the drop-off naturally anyway? And we kind of did. Apparently so. we, we did. did. So. Yeah. Yep. That's but, fair. All right. Well, let's get started then. So welcome back, our listeners, to Dance Robot Dance, uh, our podcast where we talk about all things nerdy from a decidedly not-safe-for-work point of view. This is our 211th episode. Uh, my name is Tim. I am going to be hosting this week and taking you on a uh, musical journey through the weird and wonderful corners of the musical world because we haven't done a music episode in a long time so i figured it was about fucking time to do one coming to you from toronto ontario with me i've got mark hi from st Catharines. And... i thought he was gonna say where i was from before yeah. i was going to say hi so i got confused <laughs> i'm sorry hello everybody and we've got uh paul coming us to from a partially flooded seoul south korea yeah it's uh it's rainy season and the Han River is not having a good time, and people are getting sheltered and worried about COVID. It's good times, you know. It's, it's just the apocalypse. It's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> well, numbers are still like pretty like non-existent down there, are they not? Like, yeah, they're very like every once in a while there's a, a new case, or like if there's a daily case in certain areas, it's like it's already contact traced and contained. So yeah. I'm we're pretty safe. Like we're we're out and about almost every day. So. Yeah, Ontario's getting to that point as well. Like we're getting yeah. like well less than a hundred cases a day for like a week straight now. Oh, and so good. Across across the entire province. So things are mostly under control here, which is more than can be said from the city in the US where I had left a few months ago. So Jesus Christ. But city and state. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, we can start talking about nerdy news for the week, which is as has been the case for the past like four or five months um definitely tinged by covid stuff so we got a series premiere this week uh, an animated series which is probably all we're going to get premiering for the foreseeable future uh star trek lower decks dropped its first episode yesterday two days ago yeah, now we're recording this. yeah so this is the animated series that is being done by part of the creative team from Rick and Morty. I have not watched it yet, but Mark has. So what did you think, Mark? I liked it. Uh, it's it's pretty lightweight in terms of what it is going to be, I think. But, I mean, it felt like Star Trek. And I think that's the best compliment I can give it. I mean, it's still comedy, but it actually feels like next-gen era Star Trek, kind of. Okay. Like, it's in that milieu. So I was pretty happy with it overall. Like, the mile a minute jokes and stuff were exactly what I was expecting. Cause that's what the trailers were and stuff, but yeah. I didn't hate my half an hour with it. And I was kind of planning on watching it again at some point. So probably 
once the season's done, I'll blitz through the whole thing again. So. There you go. Okay. Star Trek has very rarely dabbled in like effective comedy. Not true. Not true. They like, do comedy a fair bit, but it's not like oh, an entire series. Yeah. Not a series like that. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a new thing. But I think like it, it's, it treads the line towards what the Orville has been doing, which I know you, neither of you guys have watched it, but I like the Orville a lot and it harkens to that a little bit. So I'm, I'm okay with it for now. I'll just keep there watching Galaxy Quest over and over again. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, just kidding. But I do really like that movie. Yeah, some Galaxy new Quest Star Galaxy. Trek that Mark didn't hate. So, well, it's I mean, it's, it's only the first episode. I like Discovery when it started too. Remember, that's so true. like, that's true. We definitely changed our tone on Discovery once we took a closer look at it. In, yeah, and like the, the first couple episodes of, of Picard, also like I was like, oh, maybe this isn't terrible. And then it got it went. So bad. <laughs> yeah, it toppled off a cliff within. <laughs> The first couple episodes. It's so. up real fast. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's it's got Star Trek in the title, which means I will watch it. Whether I like it or not, we'll get to that when it's over, I guess. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, we got a little bit of uh, MCU news because we're, like, I just so fucking starved for anything. God, I miss about Marvel so much. Right like, is anybody else? Like, that's my, I think that's my biggest thing. Concerts and Marvel. I miss <laughs> my Marvel movies. Like, yeah. I just, I miss them. Yeah. So. yeah. And it's not like we're even getting, like, you know, there was a time when, like, if the Marvel movies took, like, a break, we would at least have, like, a Netflix series. Yeah, we'd have Daredevil or something, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, a Luke Cage season. But do I miss Daredevil right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I could use some new stuff. But we did get an announcement in terms of who is going to be directing uh, the Captain Marvel sequel. It is going to be Nia Costa, who is a black female director who is or has directed the Candyman reboot slash sequel uh, that will be coming out this fall. Uh, And I'm guessing the fact that they gave her an MCU movie means that somebody has seen this Candyman movie and been like, yeah, that's fucking good. Put her on a Marvel movie. I don't know. The trailer was dope. So so good. Yeah. yeah, so I was kind of on board for that. I mean, I was on board for a Candyman reboot regardless. That was one of those, like, it's not even really a franchise. Like, that first movie is just, like, legit scary, even oh, yeah. as dated as it is. And, like, that movie was ripe for a reboot. So, yeah, I mean, I was on board either way. Yeah. But, like, especially if it's, like, this is Jordan Peele's uh, production company who's making this also, right? Like, are they were they involved in this somehow? Candyman? Yeah. Were they yeah, not involved? Think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, and he's got this director who's... a obviously done a great job and now yeah move her over to the mcu why not because they need lots of representation and they're directing in like that level as we've had that conversation before so yeah i think this is a good move it might give those movies a little bit more of an identity than they had i think that was my big problem with those movies like the last batch of introductory marvel movies like dr strange and captain marvel they all felt very by the numbers yeah, they felt a little bit too by the numbers, and I'm hoping these sequels will finally give me, like, this is a reason to be invested in Carol as a character, and not just as, like, the god thing that came in to save everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And uh, bring in Monica Rambeau, too. Like, I mean... In, I mean, uh, yeah. In, uh, next wave. Superpowered being. Next wave. Let's do these next <laughs> waves. <laughs> we, we're going to get the next wave movie. We're going to get it. I believe in <laughs> One day. That. One day. It's why I'm staying alive, I mean, Paul. It's why yeah. I'm still alive, because I hope for next wave one day. Sending that into the universe, you know? Yeah. yeah. You've got to wonder that if they are that they did hire a uh, black female director that they that might be because they're planning to do a lot more with Monica Rambeau in the sequel, you know, and they want to make sure that they have somebody that can treat that character with uh, with finesse. So, well, I, she was a Captain Marvel at one point. Like she had, she did yeah. uh, like she was that character at one point. So it would make sense to tie her into it a little bit more now too. So, yeah. 
Sure. And I'm maybe don't call her Photon, though. That's lame. Spectrum was better, I think, maybe by <laughs> like a, a slim margin. Or just call her Monica Rambo. And just call her Monica Rambo, leader of Next Wave, and yeah. then we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the street, in this DC Fandome event that's coming a couple weeks from now, uh, August 22nd, uh, we learned more about everybody that's going to be involved with it. And it's a fucking list. I mean, it's pretty easy to get all these people right now because they're not fucking doing anything else except sitting in their houses. So Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves from the Batman are going to be in it. Part of it, uh, Ezra Miller and uh, Andy Muschietti, who's directing the Flash movie. Dwayne Johnson from Black Adam, Zachary Levi, and David F. Sandberg, who's the I believe the director of Shazam Two. Yeah, James Gunn, Margot Robbie, and pretty much everybody else from the Suicide Squad. Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, and Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman 84. Zack Snyder to talk about the Snyder Cut. That's going to go on HBO, the Justice League movie. And James Wan talk about Aquaman 2. They got a bunch of the TV folks from the DCCW stuff, uh, including like people from, like Kaylee Cuoco from Harley Quinn. Yeah, the amount of Harley Quinn people makes it sound like they're going to do a third season because they haven't confirmed that yet. But like that show suddenly yeah. become like a a pop culture force like i've watched it and enjoyed it and like i've seen a lot of people talking about the harley quinn show yeah lately so it's i'm the, hoping it's one like, of the most pirated shows on like top 10 most pirated shows on tv right now so you guys got to get on it it's fucking dope i, I really I enjoyed do. it so i do i need to like finish off a couple of seasons so i can like free up some time in my yeah. viewing like i need to finish off like that star girl season and yeah. then maybe that'll free up some some room in my viewing schedule for harley quinn it was a brisk watch and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Cause like, I was super like, not sure about it. I knew we talked about it, um, about how I was like, not into the first episode, but when I went back to it, like this, it's a pretty good show that yeah. I think a lot of people like are sleeping on or need to stop sleeping on. Let's see. And on top of all those like live action DC stuff, uh, there's also an animated and TV and movies. There's also a ton of writers, comic book writers. So like uh, Brian Michael Bendis and G Willow Wilson and Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison and Jim Lee and Neil Gaiman. Uh, so tons of big names. So, I mean, I'll, tune in for big chunks of that i'm sure i didn't know i, I saw they, they missed kevin smith somehow they did like the one person <laughs> you think they'd be able to just get because he says yes to everything yeah <laughs> he was bitching about it on uh, fat man beyond last week where he's like <laughs> i didn't get invited to this fandom thing and i was like how did how do you miss kevin smith that's weird that's true. i guess i mean he is directing some episodes here and there of the like fl- uh, flash and supergirl flash and, and supergirl stuff, so. yeah yeah so you yeah. think he'd be in the family at this point, but yeah, well. true. <laughs> I, w- I wonder if people are just like, "Uh, we're tired of Kevin Smith." And like NBC, you know. Jim Lee was Jim Lee was just on Fat Man Beyond like a couple weeks ago, talking about his like sketches. He was doing like a sketch challenge while he's in quarantine or something like that, or he had been like yeah, doing fifty just, sketches in fifty days, but or fifty two yeah. sketches in fifty in fifty two days because it's DC, it's DC. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's or just something one like of those that. things that he was such an obvious invite that like he just forgot they forgot to put him on everybody the list. missed him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I could see that happening. <laughs> They're gonna figure out. They're gonna get there. They'll be like, "Wait, who? Somebody invited? Who's hosting that, right? this? Yeah. Like, who's hosting this thing?" <laughs> no, you know what it is. He was complaining because Aisha Tyler's getting all his gigs now. Like the stuff that he used to host, Aisha oh, Tyler yeah. gets now all the time. So, was, like, did Aisha, was it Aisha Tyler again? Uh, I think Mark Bernard was like, "Yeah, it was." And he's like, "All the time, man. I, I used to get the nerd host things. Now it all goes to Aisha." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, I love you, Kev, but I would rather look at look, and listen yeah. to Aisha Tyler <laughs> at this point." So, yeah. Kev did do the Comic-Con at home Bill and Ted panel, which yeah. I watched, uh, which, yeah. was, which was fun. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, come on. There's no Bill. And, there's no Jay and Silent Bob without Bill and Ted. He'll admit to that. Yeah. He. Oh, he, that's exactly. He copped to that, like in his intro right off the bat. Yeah. He also, I, I think, unintentionally misgendered Samara Weaving because she, they are uh, non-binary. But oh, he, oh. I think, he corrected himself pretty quickly on that. What or she, or yeah, they corrected him and yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. In Mark News, uh, speaking of Keanu Reeves, uh, we learned that there is going to be a fifth chapter of John Wick and that they're going to do a Lord of the Rings-esque style filming situation where they're going to film uh, four and five like back to back. More John Wick is good John Wick. So like, just bring it on. I'll watch Keanu Reeves shoot motherfuckers in the head until the cows come home. This is so. the new like what Mission Impossible Fast and Furious kind of franchise now yeah, where sure. they're just going to they're it. just going to drive it into the fucking ground. Hey, I'd rather a franchise this led by Keanu Reeves that I yeah. enjoy than like a franchise led by Vin Diesel or, or Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. I don't and I don't like I don't dislike those Mission Impossible movies or the Fast and Furious movies, especially once you know the Dwayne's involved at that point they're much more watchable for me so that's there is that but uh yeah no these uh the movies are great i don't know why you guys don't watch them they're just fucking violent they're violent it's beautiful I, I saw the first you saw, one yeah, you saw the first one yeah and you should watch the other two i feel like well, i've got to watch these with you at this point mark yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we'll have to this, do that paul and i watched the first one while he was here and he, yeah he seemed i really to enjoy like it. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and i yeah. saw the i saw a bit of the second one because it was on korean television while i was like, <laughs> and so it had subtitles but it was like hey they they like their john their john wick too as well like and i saw ruby rose was in it so i was like hey yep. ruby rose oh that's right uh, yeah she's in the yeah. second one yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i was like okay i'll watch it because it looks it looked fun it looked like it was just like i he he assassinated someone in a restaurant and then everyone started trying to kill him and i was like okay I'll I'll sit down and watch this entire thing at some point. So, you know, yeah, it's John Wick. Yeah. In more Mark news, something I know Mark's watched yet, but I have not. The first installment, first chapter of Transformers War for Cybertron, uh, first chapter entitled Siege, uh, aired on Netflix in six parts, right? Yeah, we talked about it last week uh, okay. on the episode that we do with Christy. Uh, but okay. yeah, it came out last weekend and was it's pretty good. Like okay. you guys, I'm sure you'll watch it eventually. So yeah, I'm going to for sure. Yeah, let's see. For some reason, Ren and Stimpy is being rebooted. I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess like if they can do it with Beavis and Butthead, that's fine. Yeah, the only everybody's everybody's looking for animation projects, and if the guy wants to reboot it he's probably been like knocking on everybody's door for the past six like months since everybody's yeah. been locked down being like, Hey, we need animated projects, right? Yeah. I just really hope that John K has fucking nothing whatsoever to do with it. And I, the problem is, is that I know that he's going to get money from it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, he, he's going to get royalties based on it. Even though, even if he has fucking absolutely nothing to do with the series and he's a piece of garbage that did the Warren Ellis thing before Warren it. Well, I mean, at the same time as Warren Ellis was doing it, but yeah. it was it was uh, came to light a couple of years ago, whereas we just found out about the Warren Ellis one recently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I mean, yeah. I fucking love those old Ren and Stimpy shows. I mean, this is something that I'll probably watch, but I'm not going to fucking like pay to watch it for sure. Yeah, because uh, I was I, I was never like huge on Ren and Stimpy, but just like when I saw the announcement, I was like, I yeah, that makes sense. They're rebooting fucking everything. So I loved Ren and Stimpy when I was a kid. It was one of those things like I don't know if we ever got it. I, I, did it ever air in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. On uh, what, like 
like Y-TV MTV or something like that, or I think it was like it was like YTV late night, or okay. mm-hmm. might have been on Much Music late night, like along with because Beavis and Butthead oh, definitely been was Much Music. Yeah, I think it might have been Much Music. Yeah, or something it, like it that. Was... I don't know. YTV that aired uh, the MTV oddities stuff like yeah. uh, the Max. Okay. You watched Eon Flux. Flux. I yeah. watched Eon yeah, yeah, Flux yeah. way too early in my life, but I watched Eon <laughs> Flux. Yes, <laughs> did it awaken something in you? Oh, it messed me up real bad. That <laughs> that one episode where the girl tries to jump over the futuristic Berlin Wall and gets her legs chopped off. Man, that image has stayed with me. Oh Whew. man, that was just some crazy shit. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I, I watched the original Ren and Stimpy mostly when we were like in Florida for March break on like proper Nickelodeon kind of thing. Because yeah. like down there, they'd fucking show that shit like during the day, like not, you know, it wasn't like a late night thing or it might have been like prime time kind of viewing, not like late night. But I, I can't remember what it was on, but we definitely watched it when we were growing up because I remember yeah. watching Ren and Stimpy, but yeah. I don't know if it was like on a cable channel or something like that. Mm we're I, disney is finally just fucking giving up and saying like okay we're just gonna fucking throw some blockbusters to like streaming or vod kind of thing good finally they, yeah so mulan will come on disney plus on september 4th but it's not included in your subscription you have to first you have to have a disney plus subscription and then you have to pay an extra 30 bucks to like get a digital copy of the movie they're gonna make money on it people are gonna buy it you know what i mean i'm not because i don't give a fuck about these animated like any of this disney shit but like yeah if they did this for black widow i would pay the 30 bucks to fucking watch it and you all would too yeah i mean like people are gonna pay it like 30 bucks you know is is still cheaper than taking you know your you and your wife and your one or two kids or whatever to see the fucking movies yeah so people people will pay it just to fucking distract their kids for two hours yeah i'm just not sure how interested people are in mulan and so like if this were done with a movie that people were already anticipating like black widow then maybe i would be like uh we would have a better i don't know this it would be a better pilot for this type of thing on streaming because Mulan people that I talk to don't seem that interested in it and these are people who love Disney they're like eh, I'll kind of watch it if I have the chance to watch it kind of thing yeah. and if you launch this kind of thing with something that people are lukewarm over to begin with then you're going to attribute its failure to the concept rather than the product that you were trying to sell which is like the same kind of shit that they did with like female fronted action movies in the like early 2000s ultraviolet was not a good movie but and people didn't really watch it and then they said well women can't be the stars of these movies because no (laughs) one went to see this shitty movie and so you know so i'm I'm wondering how the like the rules are going to pan out at this point this is a different this is a different world i think we live in now where like they kind of had to do this at some point so yeah i'm surprised i I mean i yeah i'm indifferent to mulan but i hope it does well enough that they're like okay yeah we'll do black widow this way and we're gonna make enough money back because like jesus i need a marvel movie (laughs) i think this is how they're gonna test the waters on that right yeah absolutely especially especially considering like out of marvel movies in general like black widow is far from the highest budget movie that they've ever done it's probably like you know it's probably like in the lower half of budgets for marvel movies or something like that because like it's not crazy high effects or anything like there's lots of probably lots of stunt work but not a huge like crazy cgi scenes and shit like that so nope Nope. As long as it's good, it's all that matters to me. <laughs> so, so I think it's the sort of like Marvel movie that might 
out of you know it's maybe one of the top three marvel movies that will be as you know close to as watchable at home as it would be in a huge theater setting kind of thing yeah yeah so and then the only other thing that i had was some good news coming out of all of this nintendo reported like 400% 400% increase in their uh, profits in in Q2 in like April through June um, yeah. because like everybody fucking like wanted switches like switches were just flying off the shelves and fucking Animal Crossing sold like 10 million units. Yeah. Both my video game deal subreddits that I subscribe to to keep track of sales and stuff like that the top posted and like locked thread that's at the top of both subreddits is like nintendo switch availability yeah it's been like that since COVID hit it's been crazy uh, i don't think any video game publisher and or console maker has been hurting though i from what oh, i understand yeah. sony and microsoft did quite well in yeah. the early days when people were starting to isolate when console sales spiked like crazy yeah they had a good run that was from what i understand there was a good two-month run where all three like major decks were pretty hard to come by like just ordering on amazon or whatever so yeah yeah if if i wasn't like fucking you know moving in the middle of the pandemic i i think i strongly would have considered like picking up a playstation or something yeah yeah well i mean like i mean look at and even like i I, there's a huge spike in pc component sales too like that was why part of the reason why me rebuilding my rig during this was kind of a problem Mm -hmm. because people have been like well i'm stuck at home and i want to be able to play games so might as well upgrade like yeah i'm gonna do an upgrade so it's lego for grown-ups at this point right putting one of these machines together so like People go in, like, I just need a new graphics card and, like, some more RAM, and I can play the new Doom on here. Fine. Order all these components now. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but I I would imagine with people staying home that the video game industry on the whole has been very, very happy with their their bank accounts. (laughs) It has been, and I actually saw this on on the BBC, because we watch BBC News in the morning, because... Probably the best news you guys can get. Yeah. So, English, and they were anyway. talking. They were yeah. checking on Sony and Activision stock and how it's like doing really well. And they say yeah. like when there's a console release, the the numbers will flatten because they sell the consoles at a loss. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm. Uh, they're saying that this year it's not going to flatten quite as harshly because yeah. like people are just staying inside more and uh, yeah. they're building all these home entertainment units. Why even go out? Why even go out? The smallest TV most people sell now is like 65 inches. So like, yeah. I don't know, man. You could build a home entertainment theater for like almost nothing. Like there's budget Vizios that go for like 500 bucks that are actually not terrible TVs and stuff. So like yeah. if we're all stuck at home, I could imagine home entertainment equipment has been flying off the fucking shelves the last couple months. So mm. yeah. I mean, think about the amount of software you bought in the last couple months just because you haven't, right? Like, we've had all this extra time, so. Yeah, yeah. Just put my, I keep getting, like, wallet. Uh, You've used your PayPal wallet to do Sony stuff all the time. All the time. Like, in my my email, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did buy that, didn't I? Because it was on sale. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep. Every time I see something, like, I just bought the control expansion because the uh, the Alan Wake one got announced for the 27th of August. So I was like, oh, got to get that up to date. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That, that's what people are doing right now. Yeah. That was all the news I had. Did I miss anything that you guys want to talk about? There's something. Well, I'm not sure if you'd be actually like you'd be interested because it's DC news. But like uh, Rocksteady Games, the guys who make the Batman oh, Arkham yeah. games, there was a teaser this week on Twitter that had uh, a Suicide Squad crosshair 
on Superman. Superman. So yeah. there, the the grand debate has begun again about what fucking game Rocksteady is making. Is it actually the Suicide Squad game, or is it Superman versus the Suicide Squad and your Superman, or yeah. are you the Suicide Squad who have to take down Superman, or can it be both of those things in one game, please, <laughs> Rocksteady? Because like it's been nine hundred years since you put a Batman game out, and I would have would have just minded to have one of those in between also so fuck. <laughs> announce something already you bastards let's do this thing <laughs> yeah i did see that and a lot of speculation surrounding it but uh i feel like i mean a superman game would be fun but like i feel like based on what rocksteady has done previously their tone of games would probably fit better with uh suicide, suicide squad, squad game yeah yeah. yeah, I just want somebody like who knows what they're doing to try and make a good Superman game because I think you could do it, but you'd, you'd have to be clever about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm on board either way. Like, I love those Rocksteady games. So, yeah, but uh, I don't know because I saw there's uh, the beta for Avengers was happening this week and all the reviews started coming out and it's all a bunch of bored, boring, not yeah. great. I was like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> and then they had controversy because because of Spider-Man's console exclusivity. You can play, get like Spider-Man DLC on PlayStation for Avengers that you can't get on Xbox or Stadia, oh, I guess. I but, did, yeah. So uh, the Microsoft guys were like, I mean, I'm in both communities, right? Like I play on both decks. So I, but like I, so I see both, but I saw the ire coming from the fucking Xbox side just being like, again, fuck, like. Well, this right. the console exclusive thing has been around for a while, and I find it really passe and kind of stupid. And like, it reminds me of back in the was it Soul Calibur two or three where they had two. Yoda and uh, Darth yeah, Yoda, Vader Yoda, and Yoda Link. was what? It, Link was Nintendo, Darth Vader was PlayStation, and, and Yoda, Yoda was, was Xbox, Xbox. If I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, because he's green, like something like that. Sure. Something, yeah. Something. <laughs> something. Yeah, no, like this kind of stuff happens all the time. Just like now, I mean, Spider Man's kind of a big thing, right? And like this event, this Avengers game apparently is kind of a flop anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not super plussed about it. But at the same time, I can see why people are upset. Although, again, I play on both sides. I can just buy it for PlayStation and get Spider Man shit. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then we can move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Which is where each of us recounts the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. So let's go to Paul first. What's your Geek of the Week? Well, I moved to Korea about a month and a half ago. That doesn't count. Yeah, no. I'm (laughs) getting to something. Building to something. I'm creating a narrative, Tim. Come on. So um, when you get here, you have to get what's called an uh, alien registration card. So that you're like basically allowed to live here. And it comes with a number that you are assigned, and that number is used for signing up for literally everything, including phone plans. So I've been on Wi-Fi since I left Korea, because I was on Wi-Fi the entire time I was in Canada, not that I was really going anywhere, because... Yes, well, yeah. we were locked in that house. And I had good Wi-Fi at that house, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah that worked out real well. Um, Troy and Abed in the modem. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> so now I have finally bit the bullet and gotten myself a nice phone plan and a nice new phone. I got a Galaxy S20 Ultra. Oh my god, you spent that much money on a phone? Mm-hmm, I sure did. Alright, how and does that so, feel? Oh, it feels like extravagant and stupid <laughs> and I'm so excited about it. As you can see, it's huge! Yeah, um, it's nice. Visual bits. 
but I've been look at that bulge on the back. Holy shit! Yeah, this is the ca- the camera though is so nice. Like one of yeah. the reasons I like went for the really high end one was because I really like taking vacation photography if and when I ever get to go on vacation again, which will probably exclusively be in the Korean peninsula. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I've been, I used it to catch some Magikarp on community day yesterday and Pokemon Go sure runs smooth. Yeah. (laughs) I would fucking hope so. Yeah. Right. Four year old mobile game. Yeah. And otherwise it's like, I don't know. It, it everything scrolls really smooth. That 120 hertz refresh rate on the screen is just real pretty. I've been watching some YouTube and playing around with it. So that's my geek of the week is just playing around with my new phone, which had, it only happened yesterday. But I can already see my boyfriend like getting tired of me playing with it while we're like we were out <laughs> getting tacos yesterday in uh itaewon which is like the foreigner district about 40 minutes away and i was like i kept checking pokemon go and like look how fast it loads up it loads up in like 10 seconds i'm so happy it's just like (laughs) yeah once the newness dies off it'll be fine but until then (laughs) damn i love it so good nice all right, Mark, what's your gig of the week? Uh, well, I was going to talk about Lord Dex, but you kind of talked about Lord Dex already. So <laughs> we'll just skip that. Um, I reinstalled Bridge Commander. I don't know if either of you guys remember the old Activision Star Trek games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I found one. I found it with mods and stuff like that. So you can it's like expanded cast of ships and shit. So I've been bombing around in that game a lot this week nice. just for the Star Trek of it all. Just listening to Star Trek bridge noises and <laughs> blowing up other ships and stuff like that because why not so um, that's diplomacy mark diplomacy yeah i mean they come at you you set up it's just it's all simulations basically yeah and it's really fun to set up a fleet of like you know 12 24 ships and just like you have to swarm a board cube to death or something like that so mm-hmm. you know from the bridge of a sovereign class where you're basically safe because it's a sovereign class so <laughs> yeah but yeah, that's that's kind of what I did this week was like I was I was still watching Enterprise and when I get bored of Enterprise cuz it get into those lulls where the bad episodes happen, I'll just flip over and play a little Bridge Commander and, you know, do that. So, that's what I've been doing this week. So, yeah. Nice. My geek of the week. So last weekend, obviously I wasn't on the episode because I was with my family in uh, Prince Edward County. For those of you that aren't familiar with the layout of Ontario is like a couple hours east of Toronto and has like a bunch of little wineries and stuff like that. And so we did like the sort of long weekend getaway with my uh, parents and my sister and her husband. One of the things that we did while we were there was uh, we went to a drive-in movie. Nice. Uh, Because like you can't go to fucking like movie theaters anymore. I've been missing movies. And there was there's a drive in down there called the uh, Mustang drive in that has uh, two screens and they were doing like a double feature kind of thing. Yeah. So um, but they they, because the drive in, they can't like really start showing movies until the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. So like it was like nine o'clock, like after nine before the first movie even started. But so I saw uh, it was Annihilation was the first movie that was playing, which I didn't never got to see in theaters. Nice. And I, I liked it. It was it was solid. The production design on it was just fucking beautiful. Yeah. yeah. There was some of like the science side of shit that was pretty hand wavy. Yeah. But like the so like there was a little bit of like writing jank, but like it was acted well. Like I loved Natalie Portman. She was great in it. 
We just saw and, that movie uh, last night for the first time. I watched it on okay. Netflix. What is? So. Why are you guys so behind on this kind of stuff? That movie came out like three years ago. It's fantastic. Like, Marvel I, movies and shit. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I went, I talked about it on the podcast. I remember, I remember you saw did. this movie. Yeah, I go see. I don't. It you guys gotta go like, see more movies. It I don't know what's like up with y'all. Fucking depressing apocalypse movie. And I, you know what? Sometimes you just can't. And like sometimes, <laughs> good sci-fi and Natalie Portman bomb are worth your time. You know what I mean? Okay, maybe that's for me, but like, <laughs> well, the one thing that like I, I'm kind of over because uh, was it Arrival did it around the same time was the whole like, also a movie you should have seen in theaters because it was excellent. Like, no, I did I did see Arrival uh, okay. in theaters, um, and I, and I I really enjoyed that. But I'm kind of over the whole like these people have like something deeply personal going on in their lives and it's somehow oh, yeah. related to what's yeah. going on in this sci-fi like situation kind of thing. The Chris, no- the Chris Nolan effect of the movies is yeah. basically, yeah, they, everybody's aping that little, like they have some distraction that is going to take them away from focusing on the really important thing, which is like aliens right. have come to earth or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was, and you're having marital problems and that is much, yeah, much more important than fucking first contact with the alien yeah. species. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I didn't <laughs> so. like that. The, I, I enjoyed the movie as a whole, but like the end, I, when uh, Tessa Thompson's character, Josie was said like the, the, all the mutations were a uh, refraction. I was like, oh, well, refraction is like a scientific concept that's like, there's a formula for it. Like you can, it's predictable to an extent. And so I thought that that was going to be incorporated into like maybe a solution to the problem instead of one of those kind of like super ambiguous endings. And like, I don't know, the, the ending was like interesting, but like I do miss sci-fi that has conclusions i know that like yeah it's it, it is supposed to be science fiction and there's always that the end question mark thing because i finally watched the cloverfield paradox the other day and i was like oh god, oh. Oh, so bad oh my god <laughs> oh, no, i haven't watched that one yet oh don't do it don't watch the cloverfield paradox it's so bad <laughs> but um disappointing too because like i like the other two cloverfield movies I like i know people get down on cloverfield like, like yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane was excellent. That that goes yeah. without saying. But even like the original, like the the monster movie oh, Cloverfield, good. I liked that one too. So yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I'm with you on Annihilation. Like I, I'm kind of over the. I can see what they were doing. Like the novel series that it's based on is like multi parts. I think there's three parts to it. So I think they're probably leaving it open to potentially doing a sequel to it. But I, I'm in the same boat with you. Like I kind of do miss like those self contained like here's the end we definitively know that it is the end of this story kind of thing yeah uh series did you guys see the news story this week there was a little like rumor thing going around that they're trying to get star trek off the ground like at paramount again like trying to do another movie Mm. and they're having trouble even coming up with an idea as to what to do and i'm like (laughs) why how how is this hard it's like you come up with a sci-fi premise, you put the Enterprise crew and in, get into them involved, and then it just writes itself. These yeah. characters are already there. Like, why is this difficult? It's Star Trek, not fucking, what is it, brain science or whatever? Like, rocket surgery? Rocket I don't know. Surgery. Like <laughs> Rocket <laughs> science, brain surgery, I yeah, think, yeah. is what you're going for there? No, I was, no I'm going for the other one because it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, that's what I'm talking like, It's not rocket surgery, you know what I mean? Like, it's not hard to get a decent like two hour block of like decent script and plug the Star Trek characters into it. And everybody's like, how do we do a Star Trek movie? Yeah. Cause (laughs) look who's writing Star Trek now. Like, 
I mean, Star Trek's so fucking character driven too, right? Like that's yeah, exactly. what you do is you just take that great set of characters and you put them like in a fucking scenario. In a problem, and half, yeah. Yeah, and half of the fucking like inter- entertainment is just watching those characters dealing with that situation and interacting with each other and debating how yeah. to deal with that and situation. And if they stole one of the storylines from one of the previous series and just put the the movie version of the crew in there, no one would complain. Oh, you did a movie yeah. version of like X episode and you turned it into like a cool two hour thing with like uh, people Pine did complain Peter. though. Well, no, because I, what well, they, they did, did they Star tried Trek into darkness. They well, tried to mash. They tried to mash Wrath of Khan without doing Space yeah. Seed. Like if they had done Space Seed and then done Wrath of Khan, yeah, and done two movies back to back. I mean, it would yeah. be dumb because it wouldn't have. Been, they would have had that like twenty year gap of whatever revenge. Yeah. But yeah, at least then it would have been like a continuous arc as opposed to just being like, hey, that white guy. They used to be Ricardo Montalban yeah. is con. Yeah. <laughs> just somehow. Just fucking redo uh Star Trek 4 with the Chris with the whales. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> like fucking that. why not? I'd watch that. <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. And but they still go back to the 80s. They don't go back to the modern day. Sure, man. Even better. Like and then, even and better. Then they meet, and then they meet up with Chris Pine, like uh, Steve, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor yeah. In Wonder Woman oh, 84. And Gal Gadot. Yeah, and Gal Gadot. Yeah, Star Trek 84. Call it Star Trek 84 and cross them over. Just fucking do it. Why not? Like why not? I don't, so that's what I mean, though. But like, the, like it's not hard go, to do these account. things. So yeah, we, we gave you a Star Trek movie that would be would make you a billion dollars. But yeah, fine. put the asses fine. in the seats. <laughs> all right well then we can move on to our meat of the episode <sighs> music nerd meat uh because yeah like i said we hadn't done a music episode in quite a while and this is actually a music topic that we haven't covered for like 150 fucking episodes um so we're gonna do a second maybe long anticipated installment of obscure music recommendations. Uh, So we're going to sort of like dig into the weird eccentric corners of our music libraries and share some stuff with you that you might probably have not heard before. And like, we're going to maybe try and like relate it to stuff that you might have heard of. And so you can say like, Oh, I like this. Maybe I'll like that too. And shit like that. Cause I just thought like, one, we haven't done a music episode in ages. And two, with people like stuck in their houses, like, you know, just watching the same movies and like rewatching old favorite shows and stuff like that. Like maybe people are ready for something fucking new. They want to like explore, you know, check out something new and, and, you know, rather than just going back to that old comfort food stuff. So I will say, and we covered this in the last time that we did this, obscure is definitely a difficult term to define in the current like music scape because like you can find anything you want you know you just have to you know know kind of how to find it or have a spotify account these days yeah. so. <laughs> uh because like music is so democratized and yeah like streaming platforms make it really easy to discover new music that kind of thing shit like pandora makes it easy for you to like find music that's similar to, to other artists that you like so last time we did this we kind of like defined it as like non-charting artists or like artists that we feel like went underappreciated in their like time or in their prime kind of thing. So that's kind of how we're defining this. And I'm going to preface my recommendations right now by saying like, because shit in the world is like so chaotic and depressing right now, 
partially for the sake of my own mental health, I decided to focus on like obscure artists whose music like I find really like calming and soothing and relaxing. Oh, oh yeah, so, see, I go, I'm going hard the other way. So, <laughs> so yeah, Mark's probably not yeah. going to like any of my artists this time around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey man, all I've done since we've been in quarantine is listen to like Tool and Baroness. So like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I also like inadvertently all of the artists. Well, there's kind of a reason for it, but all the bands I ended up pick or artists or whatever I ended up picking this time uh were active around like the same time it was like late 90s early 2000s but in retrospect i figured out like that's kind of the period where i was doing the majority of my like music exploration and experimentation and like trying to expose myself to new shit um so that's why i think ultimately this happened the way that it did for me but so mark yours are all like harder shit uh a a lot it's like a lot of post post hardcore and yeah baroness was in there because people should listen to baroness Uh, so okay um helmet also is the thing we've talked about but like I feel like kind of need a little bit more attention and then yeah so they're okay. on the harder side okay. definitely so. are there any any through lines for you paul or all over the t- all over the place well the two of them are definitely more of like the experimental electronic like hard to listen to in different ways kind of thing uh and one of them is a korean band because i wanted to talk about something that i kind of stumbled upon that is like maybe kind of probably kind of well known in Korea, but definitely not as well known in the wider worldscape because people only think that Korean music is like K-pop, K-pop. Ba- basically, yeah. and there is more to it. And I want to talk about one particular band. So, yeah, um, there's a yeah. there's a decent Korean metal scene, from what I understand. Yeah, so. and uh, it's not metal, but I we will talk about it because I think you guys it's a it's a band that you guys might actually appreciate and listen to if you ever Fair. heard it. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's get started then. So uh, I think we're going to try and sort of keep it to about three just for the interest of time. Um, so let's start with let's start with Mark then. What's your first obscure artist? Well, going on your uh, like kind of underappreciated in their time, I did want to talk about the Pixies. Like it was not exactly a joke. I, I know now they're so widely known, like everybody kind of knows who the Pixies are. But I remember growing up, it was kind of like you had to be in the know or made it to be in the know about the Pixies. Or was like it was they were one of those bands that like every artist that you liked would cite. And that was how you would find out about them. Yeah, kind of and that was kind of how I glommed onto them because everybody like everybody talked about the Pixies like from Seattle, right? Like all those bands were just like obsessed with them. So I yeah, was they were proto grunge for sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of that uh, especially the punky stuff, like the the loud quiet kind of dynamic stuff that Nirvana got famous for, or Weezer mm-hmm. got famous for, like that kind of stuff. A hundred percent out of the Pixies playbook and all that kind of stuff. So when we were growing up, they were like kind of the underground band. Like you knew if you list like read the interviews and like if you read Spin magazine and got those Eddie Venner interviews, he, like he would say the Pixies in there and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, by the sheer persistence too. of uh, musicians who love them and the music journalists who glommed on that yeah. the, the Pixies were like ended up famous eventually yeah. yeah so like they got they kind of got their due eventually it feels like but like i remember back then it was always like man these guys sh-. and then like i remember buying those albums on these recommendations like i remember getting doolittle and just being like why did anybody make any of these albums afterwards they did all this shit already <laughs> like it's done this doolittle did it and then they did it again just almost as well on trompe Lamont. it was craziness so um yeah but if you're i guess we're recommending stuff that would be the one be doolittle i think i've recommended it before but um yeah it was on your on your top albums list yeah so but like i just wanted I, we've never really talked about the pixies aside from that we never talked about them with paul on the podcast either and paul's a big fan too so yeah 
Yeah. No, I'm I'm a yeah, I'm a big Pixies fan too. And for me it was very much through Weezer and yeah, I mean we were saying before we started recording that like, yeah, fucking you don't get to Weezer without the Pixies. Yeah. Um, and it's a like, lot of bands that you don't get to yeah. without the Pixies. So. And that's how that's how I first heard like learned about the Pixies was Weezer's cover of Valuria because I was just like scouring the internet for like every fucking Weezer B side and shit that I could find after Pinkerton. Because yeah. I was like, I need more Weezer and they're not putting out any albums. So like, let me find all these fucking B-sides and like compilations and shit like that. And then I was like, this song is great. And then like, I researched it a little more and found out that it was originally a Pixie song and then followed them yeah. the Pixies. And then between that and uh, Fight Club with Where's My Mind. Yeah, fi- like I think if after Fight Club, it kind of became like less of a secret at that yeah. point. Like what, like the Pixies, like they became kind of their own thing at that point, which is great because they deserved way more. And like, I feel like now like they're tour- still touring as Pixies, even if Kim Deal's not in Kim the band Deal, anymore. Yeah. Although they have pa- like Paz from a perfect circle as their bass player now. Okay. If you're- so like, I thought that was kind of cool. So last time I saw them, Paz was playing with them. Yeah. And I've always had a crush on her. So that's dope as shit. So and I, I love, I love Kim Deal's like side. Well, now like primary project, the breeders. Yeah. I think breeders are awesome. Breeders. Too. Yeah. yeah. Breeders so are awesome good. too. And with the breeders, like it's sort of like uh, when Matt Sharp from Weezer went off to do the re- uh, rentals, like mm. you can, when Kim Deal went off to do the breeders, you could really tell the parts of Pixies that she was bringing to the table. And yeah. so with a Matt lot. Sharp with the rentals. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a, surprisingly a lot too. Like I like, I like Frank Black's solo stuff too. Like I've listened to his, a lot of his solo yeah, stuff, but it's uh, different. It's way different. And like the, the Pixies are since they've been back together and are like kind of a touring operation, have also become like recorded albums and stuff. And they're not, they don't compare like to what, what happened like when Kim Deal was in the band. And yeah. I'm sure they were just screaming at each other the whole fucking time. Cause that's what the backstory <laughs> of the Pixies basically was is just Kim Deal and Frank Black screaming at each other or Black Francis or whatever you want to call them, uh, <laughs> screaming did. at each other while <laughs> Joey just sat there and listened to them, I guess. Yeah, I did have the opportunity to see uh, the Pixies play with Kim Deal when she came back uh, yeah. in 2004. Yeah, when uh, yeah when they did their first reunion tour, Paul and I went and j- like legit just went to see the Pixies and Kim Deal was yeah. playing with them, and it was in my if we do we ever do like top ten concerts because that would be in we did concert experiences. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I don't know if I talked about Pixies, but I remember seeing Pixies. Paul and I going to see Pixies was one of like the best concert yeah, experiences yeah. I ever had. It Where was, was like that Aerosmith. Arrow Hall, yeah, yeah up in uh, up in Mississauga, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the summer that I road tripped out to Coachella, and they were oh, one of nice. the headlining acts at Coachella that year. So like, it wasn't like a full set because mm. it's fucking like a music festival. Um, but I still got to see them um, yeah. with Kim Deal there, which was really cool. Yeah, we got the full like two hour set experience. Like they basically played like Death to the Pixies in order, like the greatest hits kind of thing in order, yeah. and then a bunch of like good deep cuts scattered throughout and i think that was the that was the first tour where you could legit like if you pre-ordered it you could walk by a booth as you were walking out and get a cd burned of the show and like listen to the show on the way home i think i did that actually you just hand out bootlegs of well no like if you bought it ahead of time you just go over there and be like oh i'm this is my order and they would like oh here's your cd and it was like a cd like a Mm. two burned discs of the set that they had just played and i was like this is fucking killer so yeah yeah Yeah, i probably have those somewhere so cool I guess you could still do that. Like you just do it with like a uh, USB sticks or something now. Yeah. Basically you could just dump all that into like a wave and just yeah. drop it onto USB. As long as you had a multiplier somewhere in your chain. Yeah. yeah you yeah. could do multiple copies. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So Pixies, you, you recommended an album. Uh, how about um, last time we did this, we did like a recommend like a single track to like if, if something's going to get somebody hooked on the Pixies, what track is it going to be? Do you think? 
I mean, where's my mind is probably the one that everybody knows already. But like, I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Like, gouge away? Something my, like, the song that hooked me was Hey. And I know hey, it's kind yeah, of a weird hey, one. Yeah. But Hey is excellent. Had, yeah. It, it, it yeah. sucks you in so much. And that's, that made me really curious about the rest of their discography. And it was, I don't want to say got better from there because Hey is one of their best songs, in my opinion. But like, it definitely, all the, qu- the quality is up there for a lot of well, that all of Doolittle basically so I'll give I'll give a different I'll give another answer and say Monkey Gone to Heaven also uh, would yeah, be yeah, up top of, of my list so like I mean Debaser holy shit I don't know Debaser is like almost more of a breeder song than yeah. it is a, a pixie song if you yeah. look in retrospect to yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like, wait, I mean, wave of mutilations on there too. I mean, that fucking album, yeah. like from beginning to end. That's why I say just say Doolittle is because it's just like <laughs> just so you good. start it and it's done. You're like, oh wait, this was amazing. Can I listen to it again? Like, it's such yeah. a good record. And so. the answer is yes. It does hold up to being played back to back to back. Oh yeah, I've listened to it on a loop for like <laughs> all day. Sometimes, yeah, it's one yeah. of those. Al- and it's an earwormy album. Like, it'll get stuck oh, yeah. in your fucking head for. Yeah. And you'll be singing different parts of it too. Like you'll get hay stuck in your head in the morning and have yeah. debaser stuck in your head by lunch and wave yeah. of mutilation on the way home kind of thing. Like it's whenever yeah. someone says hey now in, my, in the back of my head, I always hear been trying, been trying to meet you. Yeah, the bass line. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we nice. should just do the whole fucking episode about the Pixies. Yeah, probably. That's probably one of the few, few bands yeah, very that few we have bands. given like a, a full episode treatment to. And so far, I think it's like Beatles and, and Radio Head, I think are like Beatles Radio and we did a full tour review like yeah, that, a full yeah just one so, album yeah yeah so. but uh i think we could do pixies yeah we gotta do I mean, everybody wanted us to do bowie too so we gotta do that bowie oh we did do bowie did we do bowie i think we did we talked bowie. about we talked that about in bowie. the artists like our top oh, artists right. episode. yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're all like we all like a different era of bowie yeah for very specific reasons and yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and where and we were talking about like yeah how that none of the albums are like so good that like they ended up in our tops kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah yeah okay all right paul what's your first artist uh my first artist is gang gang dance they are an experimental not quite dance definitely electronic but occasionally danceable band that is very much like a headphones album band like some people call them dance rock because they kind of popped up in that era uh, in the mid to late 2000s when like pitchfork was glomming on to a lot of like dance rock bands like yeah 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 etc but they are very much not usually that they're all kinds of things but like you can almost call them ambient but they're way too heavy for that like it's pretty crunchy music for the most part and so they are uh, a quartet sometimes quintet lots of ins and outs with the bands but they're right now they're a quartet with the lead singer lizzie bugatzos um her voice is it's another one of my acquired taste female vocalist uh, i'm listening to mind killer right now yeah, and oh, i love mind killer very oh. much is one yeah, of your one this. of yours yeah this yeah. isn't bad yeah yeah so they're they don't release albums very often anymore they released an album in 2011 and then another one in 2018 and then haven't really heard from them again but i got hooked on them because back in the day before pitchfork had their best new music thing they had this thing called infinite playlist where they just like whatever they felt like recommending they put on this like big like 
MP3 kind of a, a playlist, but like this was before streaming. So mm-hmm. they would let you download the MP3 and then you kind of create your own playlist with Playlists it. existed before streaming, Paul. Yeah, I mean, but like shareable <laughs> playlists where you can immediately listen to the music rather than having to download the okay. music yourself. That's what I'm going to say. So <laughs> anyway, when so the album that got me hooked on them was St. Dymphna from 2008. That fucking album still just shreds my fucking mind. It's so good, front to back. It's very much... Uh, headphones listen until you get to their very like weirdly danceable like you feel like you should be listening to it in a club or in like a dirty dirty basement dance club (laughs) where people are doing drugs and drinking a lot and having an amazing time it's very visceral and if you get a chance to see them live which i only got to see them live once but it was a very intense experience because people were losing their goddamn minds and it was a sweaty mess you should definitely give them a chance i i I struggle to describe them but it is very it is appealing music and it does have it does have hooks but it is not generally hook really hook oriented music it's definitely challenging music I'm, yeah, I'm just like listening to a few tracks here. Like it reminds me, it's reminiscent for me of like Grimes or Purity Ring or mm. maybe like a little bit of like Deerhoof. Yeah, there is that to start. But then like the, a lot of the heavier stuff gets into like really dirty grime and dubstep from like, like Crystal the, Castles kind of stuff too. Maybe? Crystal, Crystal Castles for sure. Burial is a big mm like yeah. cross-section for them too so yeah, yeah. yeah that's weird battles is recommended as one of the one of their like fans also like yeah yeah that's interesting that. yeah definitely okay. so yeah i i struggle to recommend this for everyone but if you want to give some uh, some music a try and then the payoff for the really more danceable accessible tracks while you're listening to the entire album is really quite something when you've experienced it as a whole. So on that note, I want to make my song recommendation, which is First Communion off of St. Dymphna. That song is probably one of their, it's one of their early songs on the album and it's pretty accessible comparatively. And it fucking slaps. It's such a good song to dance (laughs) to. It's so fucking good. Princes as well. It has Tinchy Strider on it. If you guys know who Tinchy Strider is, he's a grime dubstep rapper from that era. And uh, yeah, but I, if I had to pick one, it would be First Communion because it's great. Mm-hmm. Bless yourself with First Communion. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one that I could see myself getting into. So I will probably go down that rabbit hole a little bit further. You should. Some of their EPs are like really weird and difficult to first find and second of all, ac- like enjoy. Like the Rawar EP is like really out there. Halula, their first, and Revival of the Shittest was their first release, I believe. Uh, it's Their experiments led to something. So if you really like their stuff... It, I would say it's worth going back, but if you're if you just like some of the tracks, I wouldn't go back into their more experimental moments because it doesn't really, it's not as accessible. Definitely okay. not. Yeah, I have to say, like when you first uh, said "Gang Gang Dance," I was like, okay, this is going to be the Korean one. 
Because like yeah. that totally sounds like the name of a Korean artist. Yeah, it does not sound like an <laughs> experimental fucking grime dubstep like uh, psychedelic thing that it is. But yeah. it's very that, that's what it is. So yeah, <laughs> when we get to the Korean one, you'll know. <laughs> then again, Dance Robot Dance doesn't really sound like a podcast about nerdy shit either. But yeah, here we are, two hundred eleven episodes later. I was super tempted <laughs> to find the artist that did that Dance Robot Dance song in, J- in Japanese <laughs> and like choose that for my obscure artist, but I I resisted the the shit posting troll the yeah. fucking shit posting troll the shit out of us here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, my first obscure artist is. Uh, another one with a female vocalist that is very much Pixies, Breeders kind of offspring. It's a band called Calamine. They are they were formed in Brooklyn in the late 90s. And the reason how I came to find them was, do you guys remember in the like early 2000s, uh, Adult Swim had a show called uh, C-Lab 2021? Yeah, I remember C-Lab yeah. 2021. I fucking love the shit of that show. I still do. It still holds up. It's also how I found MC Chris, who's like one of the like biggest nerdcore rappers out there, because um, he voiced one of the characters on the show. C Lab 2021 is a, on its own a fucking fantastic show. It was basically like a sort of sequel, like a satire sequel series to like a cheesy late like 70s 80s kind of series. But Calamine did the theme song to C Lab 2021. Oh. Okay, that was sort of like, like I know, I've like I mean I've seen a bit of C Lab because the guys who did C Lab are the guys who do Archer now, right? Like that's the yeah. same group of guys, and you can totally tell. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, like I was like I, the, I, why do I know this name? So that's what more of us getting me right now than anything else. So yeah, so yeah, they're they're like this super twee like chamber pop band. It's the kind of band like if you like Bell and Sebastian, you'll probably like these guys. Also, you remember that like uh, '90s band Cub that did that yeah. song Chinchilla that always got played on much music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's very reminiscent of that as well. So th- there is uh, there's a couple of vocalists, but the majority of the vocals are done by uh, this female uh, vocalist. Her name is like these guys don't even have a fucking fucking Wikipedia album, yeah, or Wikipedia uh, article. But the lead vocals are done by this album called Julie Stepanek, and I just love her voice. I could listen to it all day. And again, like as I said, like this super relaxing, super twee, like just you know lay your head back and kind of let it let the poppiness kind of wash over you like that is basically what they say that they're best known for is is the theme song to see lab 2021 but they didn't do like much in terms of full albums they uh, had uh, an ep that was just called calamine that is what i'll recommend to you in terms of like a full album but the the song from them that is like just five stars perfect beautiful just chill song is called trampoline and it's just like basically the like hook lyric to it in the chorus is uh, the funniest thing I ever seen was you jumping on the trampoline. Like it's very much kind of maybe that arcade fire, like nostalgia. funeral vibe. Yeah, exactly. Like nostalgia, childhood nostalgia kind of feel to it. So yeah, like I said, if, if you like that sort of like chamber poppy, like female sweet female vocalist kind of thing like definitely some some breeders influence for sure then yeah i recommend calamine yeah yeah well you have to stop talking about female vocalists like they're like a separate genre though like oh yeah, like yeah. it's always a caveat because i started it it was my fault for doing that in gang gang dance but like <laughs> it's like 
do we have to qualify that necessarily? And because like, but then I guess there are some people who are just like, I don't like lady vocals sometimes. Because I remember yeah. hearing that from some people like in the past when I was listening to, you know, even Fiona Apple, people were like, I don't really like her voice. I don't like women. And I'm like, but you don't like Fiona right. Apple's voice? Yeah. Like it's so deep in the lower registers that it's like, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, doesn't matter. And, and and at a point it becomes like it's not that you don't like the vocals it's that you don't like hearing a female point of view kind of thing in in your music is what yeah. it comes down to yeah for some people fine i'll recommend a woman jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's a band that like i can't say too much about because they're one of those ones that were just like there's almost no information out there about them but like i found a bunch of their fucking music on like napster and audio galaxy in the early 2000s and like audio galaxy like yikes yeah Yeah, no kidding (laughs) and it like you know still has a uh a place of honor on my ipod and in my itunes library to this day dope so yeah all right so second artist for you mark I was actually going to recommend Holly McNarland before you guys started on that whole thing. So I'm going to go. <laughs> just, just, go. just do it. Yeah, no, no, totally. Uh, Holly McNarland has been one of my favorite, like recording artists since she came out. She, her first album came out in 1997. It was called stuff. And then, uh, yeah, no, cause there's an EP, I think that came out before that, but like, it's not like officially released or anything. So, uh, but Holly McNarland consistently put albums through like the late nineties and early two thousands toured constantly. She's appeared on Matthew good and the tea party albums. She, I'm sure she, I think she was on a headstones album once too, but uh, Holly's got the best voice and it's so good. It's so yeah, good. <laughs> she's a little bit. And like, what I like about her is that she doesn't like couch anything. Like she's a complete hard rock girl. Like it's all pretty alternative rock stuff. I mean, there's balladry stuff in there, but there's balladry stuff in Matthew good albums too. So like, fine but uh yeah like she still has some like pretty like heavy shit on her albums as well so um i've always liked holly i've liked holly since she came out i mean i had a crush on her because she's beautiful and all that good stuff but like her albums are awesome and uh yeah i think more people like people just don't know about her for some reason and i'm always like huh yeah they they missed elmo and that's their own goddamn fault like numb and elmo i remember those two like those two fucking songs are like vicious and i'm like how do you not like these songs like these are awesome so 1997 was a good year for canadian music i have to say and it was like, yes. um, all music yeah as, we have, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, as i argued on our best year in music episode we did an episode about that at one point i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah but uh yeah num and elmo like dominated our canadian music canadian quite a bit music. yeah yeah i remember seeing the elmo video like a million times and she was like she's the puppet she's like the marionette she's the puppet yep. yeah it's oh fuck it's so good yeah it's yeah good. so like uh those her first two albums are excellent so uh it would be two, 1997's stuff and then 2002's home is where my feet are mm. are the two that i like the best that's got do you get high and beautiful blue on it also so. and her balladry like beautiful blue isn't super treacly yeah. Oh no. I mean, some of it can be, but like, there's stuff like Dallas or what's the one on the other one? Uh, water? Is it? Wa- yes, Water on the first album. They're just like awesome. Like they are kind of ballady, but like they're awesome. Like just awesome stuff. So I'm not. I'm not at all surprised to hear you recommend Holly McNarlin because, like, to me, her vocals are basically like the female. Oh god damn it! Female like Pearl Jam could be a melody better. 
Yeah, I can hear that. I was I always compared to vocal style, like where she'll like draw out the vowels and like change vowel sounds throughout a tone and shit like that. Her, I like uh, her and Matthew Good's voice sound very good together, kind of thing. Like she compliments. Yeah, because it's so good. <laughs> it's like there's a couple other ones like uh, she's been on a couple. Of, I think she did cloud bursting with him. Like she, they did a cover of uh, Kate Bush Kate together Bush. or something like that. Cloud bursting. Oh, yeah, uh, such yeah which is excellent. And like so she's been on a couple of Matt's albums, like just uh, as like a guest vocalist. And she's on a couple Tea Party songs, too, because like she's super talented and she loves these. Like she tours with these guys because she fits right in with them, like writes the same kind of music and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I've always liked Holly McNarland. So yeah, I recommend Everybody go listen to Holly McNarland because I don't know. All I see her do on Instagram now is raise your kids and like walk her dog. So I'm like, go <laughs> tour or something. Like I, I paid good money to see you again. So I don't know. <laughs> the, after this podcast, we're going to get a bands in town announcement that Holly McNarland <laughs> is scheduled a live broadcast or something like that. Because <laughs> I've been getting those emails so much. Yeah, me too. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was hoping she'd do something else. The last time she put something out was like 2009 or something like that. Was that the last one? Oh, 2012 was the last one. So, but that's, I mean, it's still eight years. So, and I don't think she's got plans to do anything after that. So sadly, I think it's one of those, like the industry kind of wears out on female artists eventually kind of thing, especially from that era where they just kind of don't keep track of them or once they age out of a certain look or whatever, they're like, eh, whatever. But she apparently had an album in 2012. Yeah, that's what I just said. Run Body Run came out okay. in 2012. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if, like, I, I know a lot of these, like, sort of more seasoned music industry folks end up, like, doing sort of ghostwriting for other people kind of thing. I wonder if she might be doing that kind of thing. It's entirely possible. She's friends with everybody. So she, if she, and she's an excellent songwriter, like, on her, in her own right. So I'm sure if I was, like, trying to write an album and I was Matthew Good and I needed some help and I knew I had Holly McDonald's phone number, I would be like, hey, do you want to give me a hand? Why not? So yeah. I'm hoping she does, but who knows? I know Nicole from Scratching Post, who uh, was one of the uh, artists that I mentioned first time we did this uh, this uh, thing. Um, she that's what she does now. She like writes songs for like younger artists and that sort of thing. Well, I know I know the guys like the Stuart from the Tea Party is basically a video game composer now. Like he works for Ubisoft Montreal all the time and stuff like that on the side. And like so, like everybody's got their own little way of making do, unless mm-hmm. they're Matthew Good and able to like tour like yeah. once a year and pay the yeah. bills kind of thing. So yeah. cool. uh, I guess, I guess Stuart and the boys, like now the tea party's back together. They tour basically every year since they've been reunited now. So I did see that uh, isolation video that they put out a couple months yeah. ago. Now it was decent. The joy division cover. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. pretty good. Cool. Paul, what's your second artist? My second artist is baths. Baths is an American electronic artist. He's from LA, like around LA and writes really like sad i guess like he's classically trained but he writes like sad electronic music that's like super depressing and feels like suicide notes most of the time they're very very dark just what everybody needs right now yeah and so i'm <laughs> recommending this for people who are in a good headspace um or need to feel understood in that particular way because i know that it was helpful for me in some of my darker periods He's been around since like 2010. He released his debut album, Cerulean, which was excellent and has only really had two and a half other albums, like two full albums and an EP since then. He released Obsidian in 2013, which is probably my favorite of his albums. Romaplasm came out in 2017 
and he released the Ocean Death EP in 2014, which was super good too. One of my favorite things that he did, so there's this video uh, game dating simulator called Dream Daddy, where you are a dad and your partner has passed away and you're dating various dads in the neighborhood and you're like the dad of this teenage girl who's like coming of age and stuff like that. It's great. It's a fun game and it's very well written, but he sings this very like super upbeat poppy song, like dream daddy. So like very doo-wop, whatever, a very against type for him. So I was very like, I'm glad that he has a sense of humor about his own music because his shit is dark most of the time. And it's like, especially if you are listening to like some of the more creepy, sad tracks, I think I might've recommended him before, but I have to recommend again, like Phaedra, particularly the song is really fucking good. And ocean death is spectacular. So give it a try. It's really good. Oh, and worsening. Oh, which one do I pick? I pick Phaedra for my recommendation song. But if you like electronic music that's really introspective, um, you don't mind sadness in your music, and you want to live in that for a little bit, then listen to Baths. It's good shit. I'm just listening to some of it now. This is another one that I could definitely get into. Yeah. It's like it's it's almost a little bit creepy in how like sad it is. It definitely borrows from it, it, it's it's just sadness. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, right. I haven't I haven't seen Baths live or anything like that. But oh, and also ch- check out the Dream Daddy theme song because it's like it's to as a compare and contrast to this stuff. It's really interesting to uh, see that happen. It was really good. So, yeah, check out Baths. Yeah, this is one I had not heard of, but definitely is up my alley. So this is, just, yeah, that's an check alley I'll go down further. further. So my next one, we're getting into a lot of electronic artists this week, it seems, because my next two are both basically electronic artists. My next one is a band <laughs> called Pluxus that are a Swedish electronica band that started in like the late 90s. This is one I can definitely trace this and the next one back to a specific radio show. Do you guys ever listen to CBC Radio 2 like late at night in like the 90s, 2000s? Uh, I was an edge guy. Like I always listened to George okay. overnights. I like George overnights. So yeah. So so CBC Radio Two had this show called Brave New Waves. Yeah. Was all oh like yeah, the, yeah yeah yeah. They play yeah. the new stuff and all that yeah. weird like indie shit. Yeah. I exactly. used to like flip. I would flip over every once in a while. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah so like it, and this was like from like midnight until like six a.m. or something mm-hmm. like that. They would play like just off the wall fucking like weirdo electronic shit like really obscure fucking music. Yeah. And I I got exposed to so much music that way because I was working. Working a night shift at the school bus factory in Brantford, the Bluebird factory in Brantford at that time. And part of my job was to test the electrical systems in the bus, including the radios. So like I would always put the radios to this like CBC radio Two show brave new waves. And then I would like fucking go back in the bus and like test everything and shit like that while listening to it. And like, I, I had like this little, like I'd keep like a piece of paper and a pen in my pocket. And like, if I said, heard something i liked i'd write it down then when i got home i'd fucking look it up and this was one of them so i would never have been exposed to this otherwise if not for that so go fucking public radio 
so Plexus is very very much electronica, like Moog synthesizer kind of stuff. Like so sort like if you like craft work or like Boards of Canada, probably like Plexus as well. Boards of Canada is another one that probably is potentially obscure but it's it's one that like some people know and are like they're a seminal electronic act and that some that other people like who the fuck is that i have no idea so their music is kind of what i imagine like people in the 50s thought all music would sound like in the future like it's you know the the tomorrow future music of of yesterday kind of thing yeah you know and and i love that retro futurism vibe in general so it totally works for me like it's all he's that all like synthesized glitchy like no natural drum sounds it's all like drum machines and stuff like that almost no vocals but the majority of their music is just like super mellow and relaxing some of it's down tempo some of it's a little up tempo but it's always relatively like happy and bouncy even you know just just in terms of the tone of the music because there's no no vocals or anything like that so the album that i would recommend is called european onion Um, most of my favorite tracks of theirs come off of that album and the single song of theirs that i always go back to the most is called agent tangent again it's just like a really bouncy happy electronic moog kind of song so yeah Again, totally fucking random off the wall. Have no idea how I ever would have come across them if not for random late night CBC Radio 2 working night shifts. Yeah. But it's almost like that exposure is 100% necessary and that, you know, music should be democratized in that way so that people will actually listen to new stuff and not like, I know that there has been a push like recently, like we have to appreciate pop music for what it is. And like a lot of even like pitchfork, re- like reviews, Beyonce albums and stuff like that, which I appreciate. Yeah. And I like, I'm for that, but like with that fucking asshole from Spotify coming on saying like artists can't expect to release just a one album every three to four years and expect to oh, yeah. be able to survive thing. And like, yeah. but like maybe not off of just recording stuff, but like, you know, touring is dead for now they should be able to make money how are they going to like survive and want to produce music you want to have the long long talk about how the arts are going to die because of this thing because i mean hey man like i'm sitting in the same boat just in a different field you know what i mean like i just want you know like I just love those da- those days of like the wedge, brave new waves. Yeah, um, and like the I love I love having weird music curated for me, right? Because like yeah. I could go out and just find like fucking you know random music, but I don't know if it's going to be any fucking good. But if I have somebody that has some fucking taste that's saying like, here we listen to like all the weird shit. Here's some stuff that you might like. Yeah, like yeah. Like, I, I, it's hard to find that anymore because like you'll get like a Pandora playlist that's fucking algorithm oh. ad, algorithmically generated. It's the same thing as everything. You either got to find a podcaster slash yeah. reviewer slash YouTuber yeah. that you like and you go and that's like that's how I discover all my metal stuff now. It's just like based on YouTube recommendations because yeah. like the, I'll get like I'm a giant tool fan. So that leads over to Mastodon leads out into like Baroness and that leads out into, you know, all this other shit. And like, it's the only way you're discovering stuff anymore. Cause it's not like, 
especially in that case, that's never getting played on radio, right? Like yeah. you're not going to hear fucking Mastodon even at 3 a.m. anywhere. And the the yeah. Apple iTunes algorithm, like I keep getting recommended the same artists over and over again. Like yeah. I I uh, oh, subscribe yeah. to Apple Music because it's like the best streaming service that I have access to here in Korea that has like the best English options and stuff. But like you know that like payola is even more of a thing now than it was back in the days of radio you know like yeah. people are paying to push their their artists up to the top of the algorithm and you get rec- stuff recommended that like you wonder how does my how do my listening habits lead you to recommend fucking takashi 69 to me like trust me i open the top page of spotify like when i open spotify this is me we're talking about like if you go based just based solely on my listening past and i get advertisements for taylor swift and kanye west like why it's because somebody's paid for that ad to be at the top of the page because like there's no way an algorithm in any way shape or form will see how many hours i've listened to tool in the last year and be like yeah that guy want to listen to taylor swift i mean maybe he should but he probably doesn't want to so the new the new taylor is actually like it's fine i don't mind the new taylor swift but it's definitely something i put on like a private like listening session so nobody can see that i'm listening to it (laughs) it doesn't get listed it doesn't affect my algorithm kind of thing so you just like the new taylor swift because the national dude was like produced like half of it it's pretty good because of that actually (laughs) like i actually did enjoy it It's got some got some of Taylor's best storytelling on it as well, but like we're let's not talk about the new Taylor Swift album. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah, well, I get it. Like for me, it's one of the reasons I don't mind at all paying for my satellite radio subscription because there's still stations there where I can go and be exposed to new music. Like there's yeah. definitely still like I can like the Strokes are fucking pushing their new song, their new like album hard, and that's fine. Yeah, that's... Can, it's great. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I like it. I'm never. I've never was never a Strokes guy. When yeah. uh, when that New York thing happened, I was like Interpol or die, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can see yeah, that. yeah. As an Interpol for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I was an Interpol guy. Sorry. Um, I like. I, come on. I'm a joy, moody Joy Division prick. So, <laughs> but they also have like curated shows. Like the uh, one of the dudes from the Black Keys has like a show yeah. that he curates. Like Jason Schwartzman has a show that he curates. Like, and they just play whatever the fuck they want, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's all on anybody that has all that radio. That's on serious xmu which is like their indie channel oh yeah so when when i was back in canada and i was in mom and dad's car that was like what i forced them to listen to while i was yeah. there because it was like yeah. oh man they're they're playing this song that i like they're playing mitski what i have to listen yeah to they're this. playing mitski they're playing sylvanesso like fuck yeah, i really yeah, like yeah, the yeah. new sylvanesso song too yeah it's really good pearl jam radio new bootleg every time i get in the car fantastic <laughs> yeah 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 pearl jam radio all right so that is my second one um so we're back to mark what is your third artist uh glassjaw i wanted to talk about glassjaw i don't know if you guys know who glassjaw are but they are do have some glassjaw i think you should a lot of uh emo bands were kind of influenced heavily by glassjaw the reason i got into glassjaw going back they toured with deftones so like they're also a big influence on gino and Mm -hmm. those group of guys so I got into them that way, but they are excellent. And I actually kind of, they, so the main, the vocalist, like main vocalist, Daryl Palumbo also has a band called head automatica. that put out a couple albums oh, in yeah. the early two thousands. I remember head automatica. Yeah. And that first fucking head automatic album is a goddamn banger. Like that is Heavy fantastic. Like, yeah. yeah. Really fucking good. Yeah. That's probably, probably one of the best rock. Like, I don't even know if you call it rock, but like it, it was almost like a nine inch nailsy kind of rock record. 
but that 2004's Decadence was that the one I'm talking about. But like, yeah, Glassjaw. So they they put out a bunch of stuff starting from like 19. I think the first one came out 97 ish. Everything you wanted to know about Silence, and then uh, Worship and Tribute in 2003 or two was kind of where I got on board with Glassjaw. And that's the one that I would recommend if you're going to go pick an album. But uh, I'll say, what's the song I would recommend? Glass Jazz, probably. <sighs> Tip Your Bartender, Cosmopolitan Blood Loss. Cosmopolitan Blood Loss is fucking dope. So I would recommend that one in particular. But uh, yeah, they're like this post-hardcore band that influenced like Brand New and all this other stuff. And I remember oh, yeah. when all those bands came out, listening to them and being like, you took all the wrong lessons from Glass Jaw. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, they ended up influencing guys like thursday and like yeah you know the bled and blah 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 blah, blah. so and which led there's to definitely a lot worse of things incu- yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of incubus in here too yes there is so, i mean incubus had been around for a while by then so yeah. like incubus is kind of an old band now i just hard yeah. it's weird to say that incubus is an old band but like that science record came out like 96 yeah. 95 96 so like they've been around for fucking ever so mm-hmm. but yeah glassjaw i was just one of those like underground bands that opened for somebody once that I saw and I was like, man, I really like them and they were really crunchy. It's all guitar driven rock. I guess Chuck Palumbo's is it Chuck? I always want to say Chuck because there was a wrestler named Chuck Palumbo and I get them confused. Oh, nothing scrolling. Daryl. God damn it. Daryl Palumbo. Uh, yeah, no, Daryl Palumbo's voice is a little bit of a like acquired taste, but like the guitar crunch and the pocket of it is very like kind of alt metal and it's pretty cool. Like you can hear the influence they had on both sides where like, you can hear like what the Deftones liked about them and then what brand new liked about them. And yeah, it's, they ended up touring a lot more with the Deftones than any of those emo bands. Let's just put it that way (laughs) in terms of how they felt about their influence on the scene. But yeah, they were a pretty big fucking deal for a little while in terms of just like, they were like that underground pixies kind of band that everybody was talking about and then broke up and ended up doing a bunch of random stuff like head automatica and their guitarist has had other projects that have come in and out, but glass Jaw was the one that they were most known for. And it's the one that I would recommend uh, if you're going to ask me for something heavy to listen to and you're an emo fan, I guess. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah. I think I might've seen glass jaw at one of the couple of warp tours that I went to. Cause I think they were pretty much a staple at a lot of those. The yeah. Warp they were a staple at warp at warp tour. And like, I, I saw them opening for deftones once. So, yeah. uh, and they were really good. So I always recommend those ones, but yeah, like especially uh, worship and tribute is a fantastic album from beginning to end. And I highly recommend it if you haven't heard it. And also if you have not heard, is it decadence that album, the, the head automatica record? Yeah. Yeah. Decadence. The 2004 one is fucking amazing from beginning to end. So I highly recommend those two. Also, if you like, if you like glass jaws vocalist and you want something a little bit more electronic, since all we're talking about is electronic music tonight, <laughs> go, yeah, go glom onto uh, head automatica. Cause it's very much that very danceable too. Like it's like good club. It would be good club music. If somebody oh, yeah. would actually play it at a club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, cool. All right, Paul, what's your, your last one for this, this round? Uh, my last one is a Korean band. They're called Onine Ibelguan, or which translates roughly to Sisters Barbershop. They are, how do I put this? When I first heard them, I was sitting in a cafe and I thought I was listening to the Smiths because I, it sounded like one of their more upbeat, like faster tracks, like Boy with a Thorn in His Side or like, I don't know, like a uh, big mouth strikes again, something like that, where it, it was like high tempo, but it had this kind of like J rock or J pop rhythm 
feel to it that felt like an anime intro, but being sung in the style of the Smiths, but in Korean. And I was like, I'm really fucking digging this. So I Shazammed it. God bless Shazam for, <laughs> especially for Korean music. Cause I, if I didn't have it, I would like, I'd be at a loss for new music right now. But it turns out these, this band has been around for quite a long time. They were, they are currently disbanded, but they've, been around since 1996 they released their first album pigeon is a rat in the sky in 1996 and they've released an album every few years since then up until 2017 when they disbanded and i don't really know much about their history and english music nerdery doesn't really have a lot of information on them uh, and they're the band members look like there was quite a few like quite a rotating cast of members for the band except for like the the lead i guess but with that being said they are super very clean like j-pop k-pop style rhythm section with like the jangly guitars of the smiths and a similar vocal style to morrissey but not quite as operatic i would say and it's really chill music to listen to in a coffee shop or like at home while you're doing stuff it's well-made, it's pretty, It's but it's got a beat to it that really gets you going. And my recommendation... I'm just listening to some here. I'm definitely getting the Smiths. I'm also getting like a little bit of like Wallflowers, like that yeah. late 90s, like alt-pop kind of stuff too. Yeah, if you listen to their... The album that I'm going to recommend is their second album, Reminiscences, because I've had that album on repeat since I heard the song in the coffee shop, which is called Yesterday I Met a Shooting Star. And if it was a good enough entry point for me, it's good enough for you, you sons of bitches. So <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's like Yesterday I Met a Shooting Star really hooked me right away. I was like, I need I need this in my rotation like right now. And then it stayed in my rotation since I listened to it about like, I guess, six months to a year ago at some point i lost all my shazams from my previous phone or not lost but it's on my old phone and now i have my new phone so gonna have i to... think you can like log into your shazam account and get those back yeah i need to uh, i don't know if i've actually logged in on the original phone so i'll have to log in oh. attach those shazams yeah. and then move them over somehow see if i can do that hopefully but um, yeah. if not, whatever. Still have this. Because most of the time when I'm Shazamming, it's like, what is this terrible song that's playing at <laughs> H&M? And I want to know it so I can avoid it like the plague. And it's always one of those fucking like trying to be famous white girls singing over a fucking Calvin Harris track or something like that. Like <laughs> Rita Ora is never going to happen, people. Just knock it off. Who? Rita, exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's shazam is how i find like a big chunk of my new music these days too yeah it's just like i'm out in public and i'm like i like this song what is it yeah Yoink. and the musicality like transcends like lyrical understanding to an extent like i went and looked up a lot of the lyrics for the songs that i really liked and i just being like a beginning stage korean learner like I'm just picking up words here and there that I recognize, which is exciting for me. While like a uh, Korean might say, "Wow, these lyrics are really passe, cliche, whatever." I'm digging it, and I like the musicality, even though the musicality is probably passe, cliche, since it is like the album that I'm recommending is from 1998. Yeah. But I, they are pretty acclaimed in Korea. They won Album of the Year 
and Best Modern Rock Album at the Korean Music Awards for Most Ordinary Existence, their 2008 album, and Best Modern Rock Song for Beautiful Thing. But I prefer their earlier catalog. And yeah, just give them a try. Don't worry about the lyrics too much. Just listen to the music, listen to this, and just enjoy. It's pretty great. It's good stuff. Nice. All right, that brings us around to me. My last one that for this time is a another electronic band. Uh, it's a British electronica like duo called Lemon Jelly that did have like some recognition in the UK, but never really caught on in the US too much. Um, this is another one that I definitely found through Brave New Waves through that uh, CBC Radio Two overnight show. It's just. It's this one. If you like the avalanches that like, well, they, for a long time, they just had that one album uh, since I left you, but now they had another album a couple years ago called butterfly, but it's very similar to that. Like electronica trip hop, very heavy on the samples from like vintage recordings. So there's like both uh, music samples and also like spoken word samples. So like, there's none of their, their own vocals or anything. They're just like adding beats and like backing tracks and then like, dropping samples over the top of them but they're doing it in a very deft way that is like highly crafted it's not just like hey i'm just gonna take this song and remix it kind of thing so this is another one that again started in the late 90s and then they went on hiatus in 2008 but it's just like super mellow relaxing music down tempo a lot of their music has very like dreamy quality to it dreamlike kind of cathartic quality to it that i really enjoy they have uh, they did even though they only kind of were around for about 10 years uh, they put out i think like three full-length albums well they came out the the one album that i'm going to recommend is their first one which is uh, just called lemonjelly.ky and it is basically a their first three EPs that were released in like 98, 99 and 2000 all just crammed together into a full length, but it's got their best tracks on it, I think overall. So that is what I would recommend. Um, but there are other albums too. They did uh, two other full lengths. One is called lost horizons and one is called uh, 64 to 95. Both of those are good too. 64 to 95 was kind of like kind of a concept album so it's what's eight or nine tracks i think and every track on the album is mixed using only samples from a specific year in that span so they'll have like a track that's like just mixed with or just samples from like 1974 one that's like just samples from like 1995 and shit like that so that which i think is an interesting way of doing thing and a cool way of sort of like encapsulating the sound of a year to an extent in a single kind of track i love those bands that do that kind of musical collage with not necessarily musical sounds because the Mm. avalanches are great at it lemon jelly and there's another band called the books that do that amazingly well um their album the lemon of pink oh i love that oh i love that that band so much so yeah i i love this style of music in general so this is something i would definitely check out yeah so yeah lemon jelly like i said the album i'd recommend is lemonjelly.ky my the tune i would recommend is on that album uh which is called a tune for jack which is again i like i said i was really striving to recommend like really relaxing and sort of calming music and that track does it for me 100 percent. it's just yeah when i can just lay back and with like a drink or maybe you know joint or something like that and just chill out too 
Cool. All right. So that is nine artists total that you can go check out at your leisure and see if you like it. And, you know, if you do, by all means, give us a shout. But before we get to that. Oh, no, I was going to say it looks like they're all on Spotify, too. So you should be able to find them fairly easily. Nice. Yeah. What I'll, what I'll try to do, if I can remember is when I'm uh, doing like Facebook posts, I'll try and like drop some links uh, in the comments to maybe like uh, some of the songs that we recommended and stuff like that. If they exist on like YouTube kind of thing. Yeah. This stuff should pop up. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, with that, we can move on to our final segment for this week, which is geek cred, which is just where each of us goes around and recommends something nerdy that we think that you might like to see maybe in this case that is not music because we just recommend a shit ton of music to you <laughs> so actually mine is music fuck paul what is your geek cred for this week i had something in my head and it just fucking i should have written it down Hang <laughs> mark on what is your geek cred for this week thank you uh <laughs> i just re-upped with game pass so i've been kind of picking through microsoft's game pass offerings this week it's specifically because of the the control announcement like the the next expansion for control it features an a previous like story from a previous game called alan wake which is available on game pass for pc now so i'm playing through that in preparation for the next control expansion at the end of the month so i would recommend you're stuck inside i actually recommend like go check out game pass if you don't especially if you're like a pc user who doesn't have an xbox but like a lot of the games are available and it's a pretty good overall service i think I'm not even shilling for, I feel like I'm shilling for Microsoft now, but I've just really enjoyed how they've handled Game Pass so far. And like as an Xbox and PC gamer, it's kind of comes in advantageous having free access to all those games kind of thing. Because now I can try like Metro Exodus on my rig with ray tracing and shit because it's just free with Game Pass. So nice. Thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, but like Streets of Rage is on there. Streets of Rage 4 is fucking dope, so go play Streets of Rage 4. That would be the one I'd recommend. Get your Game Pass and then go play Streets of Rage 4. You can get it on PC or Xbox. Cool. Paul, you ready? You want me to go? No, I got it. So I miss like parties and stuff. I miss like just having gatherings with my friends at my house and stuff. And it's like, I know that it's hard, but there are ways for you to enjoy like some aspects of gaming together without you know, having to be in the same place, even though it's more fun that way. The Jackbox TV games. I don't know if you guys ever played Jackbox TV. Mm, yep. the You don't know Jack series of games, but like it's a whole suite of games that you can play very easily. It's very accessible. You can play on your smartphone and they're like, they're there. You can play them remotely and they're super fun. And you could, it's something that you could probably play in a Google Hangout very easily. And they're not like super high impact or interactive. Well, they are interactive, obviously, but like, they're not like you have to be instantly button pressing all the time. Like there's like, some yeah, th- you're not, you're not asking somebody to like pick up Fortnite or something like that. So. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like a lot of it is like draw funny pictures or answer this trivia question and things like that. So Jackbox TV is a good way to keep the friendship alive and play games together, which I always find is a good way to like, make better friends is enjoying games together so do that as much as you can we played quiplash with some friends back before we left atlanta uh, but Mm. after the pandemic started uh, it was pretty fun so yeah it was a nice way to just get together with some people and uh, again it's the quiplash is kind of cards against humanity-esque where you're very much like kind of playing to the judges and stuff like that and you're yeah coming up with like amusing answers to questions and stuff and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. I miss Cards Against Humanity. I haven't played a game of that in 
<laughs> years. The, the CEO of Cards Against Humanity is an asshole. You know, don't give them money. Sorry. Car- I've already bought the cards. So uh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I already have them at this point. But yeah, the CEO is apparently not a good person. But I mean, a lot of the people that work there seem to be good. It's That's a weird one for me because they've done a lot of good shit with money that I've yeah. given them over the years. Yeah. So the, the only problem is like some of the shit that they've done to individuals at their at the jobs that they worked at. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that that whole thing where they tried to have that guy committed or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was messed up. It, it was pretty messed up. Anyway. That's messed up. All right. My geek cred for this week is a YouTube channel that is a music YouTube channel, but nerdy music. I saw one of their videos posted around. It's called Super Guitar Bros. It's just, it's a couple of dudes from Michigan with acoustic guitars. And they just put out an amazing video of like a 30 minute long medley of acoustic guitar covers of the Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda music. And it's just these two dudes out in a forest, like super peaceful and relaxing, just doing like amazing acoustic guitar covers of the Ocarina of Time music. And they've done like a bunch of other like classic video game soundtracks and stuff like that too, like old Sonic and Mario. And like, I'm sure they've done like Castlevania and shit like that as well. So it's really just, it's one of those things you can just kind of put on in the background, you know, while you're, while you're working or whatever, because it's just like no lyrics to it or anything, but, uh, and, I, and you can like buy their music on Bandcamp and shit like that too. So super guitar bros was the one that I happened on this week. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So with that, we've given you tons of stuff you can potentially go check out to fill your quarantine void. So uh, if you, <laughs> yeah, no, I said what I meant. <laughs> and uh, so if you check anything out and you really like it and you want to let us know, you can do so on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. If you are not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Stitcher, and most places where podcasts can be found. So with that, we will say goodnight for this week. Say goodnight, Mark. Have a good one, guys. And good morning, Paul, because you're in a different time zone. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. (laughs) And this is Tim. We will catch you next time go find some new music and you guys recommend us some fucking obscure shit like if you you know think that there are artists based on what we've recommended here that we dig like let us know yeah we're always looking to check some shit out so Mm -hmm. all right until next time we'll talk to you later